0: Welcome to Mentalizing an Existence, a podcast about philosophy, psychotherapy, theory of mind, and the meaning of human existence. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Price. I'm a psychiatrist and psychotherapist who's been practicing for over 20 years. And while this podcast will touch upon psychotherapy and even psychotherapy technique, I'm hopeful that it will be a place for everyone to learn about the most important process that humans have access to, mentalizing. And I hope that we will learn to use mentalizing to find meaning in our existence through the philosophy and psychotherapy of existentialism. Each week, we'll talk about different aspects of mentalizing, of existentialism, and related fields. And I hope you'll find not only entertainment and perhaps information, but more importantly, a way to connect better with those around you, with your own mind and with true meaning in our lives. Welcome Mentalizing and Existence podcast listeners. This is the introduction to a series of 12 podcasts that are designed for those people who are entering mentalization-based treatment. The podcasts are referred to as mentalization-based treatment introductory group, or MBTI, and are essentially a podcast version of a group that I do in person with any of my patients who are entering mentalization-based treatment in my clinic. If you are a mentalizing and existence listener uh, but not seeking treatment, you may find these uh, podcasts uh, helpful in really uh, digging deep into the idea of mentalizing uh, and the aspects of mentalizing. But for the average listener, this may, these 12 sessions may not be um, the most uh, interesting or exciting. For those of you who are interla- entering mentalizing-based treatment, uh, I encourage you to listen to all 12 of these episodes. Uh, and in fact, there are some of you, Listening, who I have assigned to listen to these 12 episodes in place of doing MBTI group. Over the next 12 sessions, uh, there are a few things I want you to keep in mind. First, uh, each one will have this same introduction, and you, the introduction itself will last about three minutes total. So you may skip ahead to uh, the beginning of each session, Um, once you've listened to this one time, uh, because it will repeat in front of each of the sessions. Uh, Second, um, I would like you to have a pen or pencil ready. And third, I'd like you to have a, a notebook for just taking notes on the concepts that we're going to discuss. And fourth, I would like you to have a separate notebook or notepad in which you write down the responses uh, to the questions or uh, exercises that I give you in the podcast. Generally speaking, this group is in person and is an interactive group. That can't be done on this podcast. Uh, so in lieu of that, I'll, have, I'll give you the same questions and assignments during the uh, middle of each session And I want you to write down the question and then write down your response or your answer after thinking about it. Usually, you would pause the podcast at that point in order to do so and then return to the podcast where we'll have a discussion about uh, your potential answers. In addition, at the end of each of the 12 podcasts, or actually at the end of the first 11 podcasts, you will be given homework, and I want you to write down uh, the question or prompt for that homework, and then to actually attempt to do the homework. Now, typically, we have a week between groups, and I recognize that some of you may be listening to many of these podcasts back-to-back, which is okay, but you'll see that the homework at times requires you to uh, think about what's been going on for you over the preceding week. So, um, I encourage you to take those prompts or those questions and to think over uh, some preceding amount of time about those mentalizing questions. For those of you who I've assigned uh, these podcasts, uh, we will be having an in-person session at the end uh, in which you and I sit down and actually go over your answers uh, to each of these questions, uh, primarily to make sure that you've um, absorbed the material um, and that we can have a discussion about what you found useful and what you haven't. The content for all of these 12 sessions comes from uh, Anthony Bateman and Peter Fonagy's 2016 book, Mentalization-Based Treatment for Personality Disorders, A Practical Guide. It is essentially content from chapter 11, which is the MBTI chapter. And uh, that book is published by Oxford University Press. Welcome to MBTI session number eight, Mentalizing Based Treatment, part one. So, over this session and the next session, we're going to outline what MBT treatment actually looks like. Before we do that, I want to summarize what we talked about in session number seven. That session was about personality disorders, and we defined a personality disorder, which is really about having maladaptive traits that cause problems in somebody's life. We talked about what maladaptive traits are and what adaptive personality traits might be. We noted that many personality disorders improve on their own and that treatment itself increases the likelihood of improvement. MBT itself is a treatment for personality disorders, specifically for borderline personality disorder. And we talked about the characteristics of each of the commonly described personality disorders but we focus mainly on the criteria for borderline personality disorder. For homework, I had asked if you would pay attention to those problematic personality traits that came up for you over the course of the time between sessions. So I hope you're able to do that, and if you haven't done that, I'd like you to write that down now. Today, as I said, we're going to talk about the actual nuts and bolts of treatment. Our aim in mentalization-based treatment is to improve a person's mentalizing capacity in close relationships. That's the goal. In doing so, we hope that emotions will be less likely to get the best of you that if they do get the best of you, you'll be able to regain your composure more quickly. And as a result of both of those things, you'll be less vulnerable to interpersonal conflicts. You'll be less vulnerable to impulsivity. And in general, that things will go better for you in your life. So how does MBT this how does the treatment itself improve your mentalizing? Well, they can't do so without your help and it's really important that you recognize there are certain commitments that you will be making when you join an MBT group or do and/or do individual mentalizing therapy. your first commitment is to actually talk about yourself and to be uh, willing to talk about as many aspects of yourself as possible. That requires you being curious about yourself. And it also requires you being curious of others. In addition, it requires you to suspend distrust that you may have of other members in the group or of your therapist. These can be difficult. It's not easy to talk about ourselves. Some in some ways it's even less easy to be curious about ourselves. After all, don't we don't we know everything there is to know about ourselves? It can sometimes feel that way. But the truth is we don't. None of us do. And mentalizing is not just about understanding other people, but it's about understanding ourselves and our minds. In order to be able to do this, we need to let other people be curious about our minds. And that can be scary, too, because it can feel like they might be doing that in order to hurt us, to make fun of us, um, to take advantage of us. So there may have been many experiences in your life where people have done that when they were trying when they were seemingly curious about you that they were really doing it to take advantage of you it would be natural to have difficulty trusting other people who are being curious about you if that had been your experience in the past so that's a that's a challenge You have to be willing to trust that the people in the group, that your group leader, uh, group facilitator, and also that your therapist is trying to learn about you, not to take advantage of you, not to get something from you, but to be helpful to you. And in the case of other group members, to be helpful to themselves in their own process of getting better at mentalizing. So, all of this requires getting closer to others and letting them get close to you. And for some, that may be the biggest challenge of all. When we let people get close to us, when we try and get close to others, that will automatically stimulate attachment feelings. And your attachment patterns, something that we talked about a few sessions ago, will likely become apparent in therapy and you need to be aware of this. For that matter, actually understanding your attachment pattern because it's become apparent in therapy is one of the ways to, to help yourself and for your therapist to help you. So that's an overall arc of what MBT treatment requires of you. I'd like to talk a little bit about the structure of treatment. Generally speaking, treatment is 12 months in length, There have been a number of studies showing that MBT of 12 months uh, is helpful to patients with borderline personality disorder. Um, Those treatments were typically um, 12 months in length and involved two major components. One, individual mentalizing treatment with an MBT therapist, and two, uh, weekly group therapy therapy in a mentalizing group. Now, many of you who are doing this, who are listening to this podcast because you're going to enter treatment may only be getting one or the other of those um, portions of treatment. And we know that individual MBT or group MBT can be helpful, but it's great if you can get both at the same time. So, how does it start? Well, it starts with the group that you're in right now or the podcast you're listening to, MBTI, and learning about mentalizing as you've been doing over these last number of weeks. But also, it begins with you and your therapist or your group leader uh, developing a mentalization based problem formulation. That involves figuring out what are areas of mentalizing that are more difficult for you and what are ones that are better for you and how to improve the ones that are difficult. If you go back and you think about the mentalizing poles, we talked at that time in the first session about how some of us are better at one side of one of those spectra than we are at the other. So part of a mentalizing-based problem formulation is, is to recognize that and to uh, develop a plan to work towards improving your ability on one side of the spectrum, the one that you're weaker at. So, for example, if you're good at thinking about what's going on in your own mind, but not so good at thinking about what's going on in someone else's mind, then that might be a major area of focus in MBT. On the other hand, if you're quite skilled at feeling feelings, not only for yourself but for others, but you're not so good at thinking about those feelings or thinking about your thoughts, that might be an area of focus. Beyond creating a mentalization-based problem formulation, you should have a crisis plan. Now, frequently, uh, crisis plans have already been put into place by previous treaters, um, your, your current therapist or psychiatrist. Um, and if not, that should be a part of your MBT treatment. We need you to agree on your role and responsibilities. And really, your role is to come to treatment and to be prepared to mentalize and to also apply your growing mentalizing skills throughout the course of the week between sessions. It's also your responsibility to work hard at being curious and not knowing and generous to the other people in your group and to your treaters and therapists and their motivations. You need to understand and agree to long-term goals. You need to agree to integration between your treaters, that is, allowing your treaters to communicate about your care. The doctors and social workers and psychotherapists who are working with you are going to need to talk regularly about how you're doing. That's an important aspect of mentalization-based treatment. Another aspect of treatment that's important is that members of groups are not really to have contact with each other outside of group, and this is particularly true for romantic relationships. You're encouraged not to be spending time with group members outside of the group sessions themselves, and certainly not to be sexually or romantically involved. One of the main reasons for this is that it can disrupt or cause problems for other people mentalizing in the group if they are unaware of let's say secrets between two members of the group that they are they are not privy to. A big commitment which I've already alluded to but I want to emphasize is that MBT Involves actually practicing your mentalizing skills, not just in the group, not just with your therapist, but outside of the group and outside of your individual therapy session. So practicing mentalizing in your life, you will be constantly encouraged to develop and maintain as much as possible the mentalizing stance. Mentalizing stance again is to be curious about your mind and other people's mind and to recognize that you don't know, to be not knowing about, about all aspects of your mind and other people's minds. There's always more to learn. There's always more to know. We can never be entirely sure of every aspect of what's going on in our mind or someone else's mind. And thirdly, when we're trying to figure out when we're starting off to try and understand our own mind or someone else's mind in a particular situation, we want to be generous in our first interpretation. And by that I mean to not suddenly jump to the conclusion that someone is trying to harm us or uh, misuse us um, or has, has mean intent. It is That is possible, of course, even for your group member and your therapist that they in a particular situation are um, do have uh, mean or harmful intent, but um, it's not really likely in the treatment situation, and it should not be where you're going uh, initially. The way MBT works is both in individual and group therapy, Um, you are training in mentalizing. You are just improving your ability to mentalize. The Group sessions in particular can be described as a training arena for mentalizing, a place where you can practice mentalizing skills with others. As such, it requires regularly sharing events from your own life, preferably recent events, MBT does not emphasize talking about your distant past or your childhood. Even though your childhood attachments and relationships can have a great effect on how you mentalize today, MBT does not think that talking about that or exploring those things from the past is the best way to change them now. So treatment requires you sharing events from your current life, trying to understand these events from a mentalizing perspective. It also requires that other group members participate in the process by exploring their own problems and also exploring the problems that uh, you and others present to them by using the mentalizing stance. Everyone together needs to try to find more out about these events And in doing so, we bond to the group, the other members, and to the leaders of the group. So all of that is expected of group therapy for you if you continue on in mentalization-based treatment. So our activity right now is for you to think about and again to write down whether you have any problems with three these three aspects one bringing events from your own life to a group setting so think about that what will be difficult about that can you in general commit to doing that if not uh, what do we need to do to help you with that the second is Would you have problems with focusing on events in the group? Sometimes we end up talking about conflict or misunderstandings in the group itself. Could you imagine doing this? What problems might that present for you? And finally, I want you to think about and write down whether you would have any problems with assuming the mentalizing stance. That is, being curious and not knowing, being generous to the people around you. So I hope you've taken a look at those things, and if you have, I want to invite you to consider the homework between now and the next session. For the next session, I'd like you to consider how you usually relate with others when you join a group of people you don't know for example think about your own feelings about when you uh, have come to a group for the first time or for your feelings when you meet a friend who has other people with them that you don't know what's that like for you what's it like to be part of a new group How do you handle that? What are your thoughts and feelings? I'll see you next time. Session number nine.